Today, three movies enter once again, and one movie leaves. On this, The Great Movie Showdown. First up, we have a movie where David Spade is kind of a dick to John Goodman. Versus a movie where John Goodman plays the King of Mardi Gras, the winner of which will go up against a movie where John Goodman is kind of a dick at the beginning. In this, The Great Movie Showdown. <laughs> is John Goodman in The Incredibles? He's the no. main character. He's Mr. Incredible. Oh, God, Zach. Wait, I, had feeling, I, had a, I had a feeling that Wait, you thought that. That's Craig, Craig T. Nelson. Nelson. Mr. Incredible. Are you for real? Yeah. yeah. Craig T. God Nelson. damn it. <laughs> no. Yes. No. I had a feeling like yes. that, that was going to be your thing. Because I was like, like, wait a before minute. The show, before the show was recording, you're like, John Goodman's going to go up against John Goodman and the winner's going to go up against John Goodman. And then I'm like, oh. John Goodman isn't in The Incredibles. And then he's I not. went. He's in The, the Princess of Frog. And yeah, he's like, yeah. Oh, guy. yeah. Shit. So what do we do? What do we do? I guess Keep we just, it. we leave it. Yeah, we leave this. This is great. This is awesome. God damn be a great it. opening. This is awesome. It's well, like a running gag with your openings where like they're all over the place. Like you still kept the one where you said the, the girl had autism when she did it. Oh. That's because I didn't have anything else to cut to. That was awesome, though. No, I like the, the <laughs> autism bit, honestly, because that was oh, just man. that was so great. Because she emotionally shuts down, and also it's you know, hey man, you gotta you gotta go out there. You gotta be dangerous sometimes. Make dangerous. Well, I'm very sorry, Mr. Craig T. Nelson, but you sound a lot like you know John Goodman too. For, re- for real yeah the, i don't my whole life that, i thought uh, that was john goodman yeah, and now i feel hilarious. like such an idiot that's awesome that, this is great to me i love it oh my gosh i mean i don't really know craig t nelson that well i don't either i'm gonna click on his name so me we can too. like figure and it out he's an american he's actor in the morning he was in poltergeist um, yeah he was in poltergeist that's what my i remember from, but like oh what i really what he stuck to me was that that um sitcom coach I came on early. Oh, he was in coach. Okay, he was coach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, I know I've heard the name. Marine officer and born on the 4th of July. That that was a very iconic role. Um, So, Matt, you have talking points. Which movie do you want to start on? Oh, yeah. I actually have a very good talking point. Go for it. I'm ready. And it's going to combine both of them. This is something I noticed. Both of which you got to clarify for our. Oh, well, well, we got yeah, we got to talk about Princess and the Frog going up against Emperor's New Groove, or maybe it's the Emperor's New Groove. And the winner of that is going to go up against John Goodman and (laughs) the Incredibles. But anyway, <laughs> something I noticed watching these movies, Princess and the Frog and The Emperor's New Groove, is The Emperor's New Groove, it came out in 2000, and it was basically the movie that stopped Disney Renaissance and started like the new run of 2000s Disney movies. And what I find interesting is in 2009, The Princess and the Frog came out, and it's like, hey, let's go back to these Disney Renaissance formulas that worked so well. And it's like kind of like capstoning the decade of the 2000s, where it's like, hey, we're branching off into new Disney. This is how we're going to be. And then the Princess and the Frog is like, hey, all these movies are terrible. Let's go back to what made us money. 
And and then Princess of the Frog led to what Tangled, Frozen, Moana, and like all those other good movies that are kind of similar formula. Yeah. Yes. So I thought that was really cool. What what are you what's your thoughts on that, guys? Uh if I might go first, Zach, I can tell you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so getting over was, the fact that Craig was... T. Nelson's Mr. Incredible. <laughs> it could always be John Goodman to you. Uh, no. Exactly. We can we'll, just. We'll set up a Truman Show situation yeah. where oh we'll build your own little land and everybody will tell you John Everybody Goodman. who's listening, Zach is now going through an ex- existential crisis over this. He, yeah. He really is struggling with this. I mean, this happened. This happened. In what was it like the first episode with Hercules when I said um, Hermes seems like he would be the music guy on the Tonight Show. And then it turned out that's who played him when I looked it up later. (laughs) (laughs) Only this is like the opposite. Now you were you were not right at all. It was I was not right. Yeah, I was not right at all. Yeah, that's fair. It happens. But um, the princess and the frog for. For the movie nerds who uh, are interested in Disney history, what is funny is at this time, the only reason Disney um, lit basically the green light for Princess and the Frog was because John Lasseter, who, you know, he became the leading, um, I want to say, uh, leader of animation at Disney, overseeing not just Pixar, but pretty much everything animated over at Disney. And when he stepped in, he did a big promotion at the studio, even went as far as to go in front of executives and things like that say look man we're disney you know i know i come from pixar but we need some damn hand-drawn animation we need it and so he pitched this whole thing and they had it in the bag ready to go that apparently he and uh the directors of this film and the writers have been trying to get something together for a while because he said and also you know we need our lead to be the african-american princess like we need one. We're kind of starving for one at this point. It's been way too long and big up on all of them because they got Anika Nani Rose, who is a Broadway talent and her, her voice acting. This is pretty much what saves the film for me. Cause a lot what of a it, great name, by the way, I know, right. Anika Nani Rose and uh, Keith David to me are the standout. I mean, pretty much the highlights of the entire film for me oh yeah i i i can't speak to anything else except for the terrific uh firefly character and yes um obviously the crocodile with the trumpet um or i'm sorry alligator with a with a little mini trumpet he's he's very adorable no i thought it was a crocodile wasn't he i can't no, it's an alligator I'm yeah, pretty, yeah there's yeah. not a lot of crocodiles in america yes i was gonna say not a lot of crocs in america so i know oh. gator but i thought I, gators were just a florida thing i I really am glad it's funny because we're talking about Emperor's New Groove and Princess and the Frog. And to me, what they both have in common is they have terrific actors in them playing the villains that to me have like influenced Mm -hmm. my childhood a lot. And I'll expand on that when we get to Emperor's New Groove. But Princess and the Frog, I have loved Keith David in everything he does from when I used to stay up and watch HBO. And I was way too young to be watching Spawn, the animated series. But Keith David was the voice of Spawn, and his voice acting was incredible, and I loved him to death for it. And then obviously in, um, I want to say, the John Carpenter, uh, Alien, uh, Reagan-era film, I think it's um, They Live. 
I'm, when he puts on the glasses, Roddy, Rowdy Roddy Piper puts on the glasses. He can see the aliens and like, you know, the obey signs and everything. I have like no that. idea what you're talking Audience, about. Audience, please like send us emails and correct me. I think it's they live. But in that film, he plays um, Roddy, Roddy Piper's uh, best friend. And they have historically the longest fight scene committed to film. Yep. It's they live. And he's incredible. I love Keith David. Every time I see him, anytime I see him in a film, he's like a shining bright spot for me. And he like, um, if you guys don't know the guy who is the villain in Highlander, he and that guy, if you actually search their IMDb history, I promise you, they have a prolific career in voice acting beyond just screen acting. They, they're just incredible. And I know this is like a big um, love session for Keith David, but I mean, honestly, there, there's really nothing else to it. Even the sequence for the villain, his uh, I Got Friends on the Other Side, is pretty much the best musical number of the film. And even the animation is is goes above and beyond. Yeah, uh, he was scary. He, That's what I mean. And that's, uh, see, if we're going to compare the films Emperor's New Groove and Princess and the Frog, which is, that's exactly what we're doing, I have to that give is. credit that I'm actually like not sure if the good guys are going to make it through this, even though it's a Disney film, I'm thinking like objectively. Yeah. Um, he's a better villain. The, the cards are stacked in his favor by the third act rolling around. And he even gets to kill one of the good guys. He gets to stomp the, uh, firefly character. So he does some real damage. Whereas, uh, our villain in the emperor's new Gre- groove grief, Groove, I'm trying to remember Eartha Kitt's uh, Yzma. Yzma. Yeah, Yzma. Uh, her villain was just, you know, the whole film's a comedy. It's a straightforward comedy. Yeah. There's I no like how you're, uh, you're, um, you're comparing the death of a firefly to an attempted assassination on the emperor of a sovereign nation. Ah, uh, attempted. See, you don't get points, okay? You only get points in horseshoes and hand grenades, my friend. You don't just get points for attempting things. That's not how that works. Attempted murder. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to hear attempted all that. assassination. I get it, but she's not that to me threatening. By the time the third act rolls around, it's really funny though. And all right, so let's do it. Let's shift to Emperor's New Groove because I'm just on a roll here. You guys yeah. should roll with me. I was I was so surprised this how good this film was, like how funny it was. It's so good. Yes, it really leans good. into that comedy so hard. I encourage everyone here if you think Ah Emperor's New Groove, I'm not that sure. I'm like, no, you will be lovingly surprised by how well the comedy just yeah. rolls in this film. I felt good rewatching it today. Yeah, I was like, oh yay, this movie. It is. It is still good. It does. Patrick Warburton as Kronk is yes. Oh, that makes a the gift movie. from the comedy gods. Yeah. He's brilliant. He's in every sequence. Every time he's on screen, you're just glued to it. You can't yeah. help it. He's you're he's brilliant. I, he's I, I love the scene with him uh, jump roping. Oh yeah, with the, <laughs> with the kids and then the uh, other villain ends up like jumping in. He, he's awesome. He is awesome. It is like a straight up comedy. Yeah. yeah, it feels almost Sorkin esque whenever you have Kronk in a scene. Yeah, like there'll be two completely different conversations happening but see that's the thing is he and eartha kit i don't know if they perform together or if they're both just that talented that they make it seem that way they must have recorded them separately mm. but eartha kit also in her vocal performance her oh, delivery yeah. of certain lines is immaculate she just because voice acting, you know, you don't you don't get a physical performance to sell things. You really have to kind of do your tonal inflections and things like that. Well, I mean, if you ever 
see the voice actors in the booth, they're usually exactly acting, acting. But I, too I genuinely believed Eartha Kitt was milking every scene she was given. She's so brilliant, even the way like she, you could tell she gritted her teeth for real, yeah. and like really sold those lines. And she's brilliant with Patrick Warburton. Them together in scenes together is, I, I didn't even, I hate to say it, but like. As Matt was talking about before we started recording, I know he put it in the uh, the our little text before. I think it was yesterday. Like, I'm not a big fan of David Spade either, so I have to give credit to the filmmakers for kind of leaning into Isma and Kronk's dynamic as opposed to just John Goodman and David Spade. Because John Goodman's great, David Spade's great for the film. He's really worked for the character, but damn, if Eartha Kitt and Patrick Warburton aren't brilliant, I wanted. So much more of them by the time this movie was over. I really well, there is a sequel called Kronk's New Groove. <laughs> yes, they and you knew why is they it did it too. They, I actually haven't seen it. I completely forgot that it was a thing. But is it one of those things where, like, oh, as a side character, he's great, but when you give him his own movie, all the jokes suck? I don't know. I mean, well, a I movie with Kronk in it, I feel like, is probably not bad. Yeah, I don't I know. I'd have to watch it. I would have to. Yeah. Watch it. I feel like it's probably worth worth checking out at least. So the most noticeable scene from that movie, I have to say, is the kitchen scene. I think that oh, scene yes. is oh. absolutely. <laughs> yes. That's, that's so good. It Where is he because just, it, he just the thing is, straight, is that's straight head first into anything. Yeah. And, and I, I, love I, I love I love the kitchen scene. <laughs> <laughs> I love the kitchen scene in Emperor's New Groove mainly because it's literally using David Spade's fast talking ability with Eartha Kitt and Kronk all together. Like I'm you literally not even saying his name, Patrick Warburton. I'm just thinking of him as Kronk. He is. Anytime I hear that voice now, it's all Kronk. And Joe from Family Guy. Yeah. And you get you get all three of them together and it just works. It's like you said, Zach, it's so Sorkin esque almost. Yeah. It's it's pretty brilliant, honestly. The comedy in here is comedy gold even though the storytelling to me the the basic story i guess the inciting incident of him getting turned to a llama like all that stuff isn't really all that compelling to me nothing seems to be like all that emotional well, it's uh it's a it's a departure from what was it like the emperor's new clothes or whatever right which is an actual incan or mayan story or something i'm not right i'm not sure don't, me don't neither. quote me on it no, I, I I don't think so either. But also, Disney kind of sidesteps the mistakes they made with Pocahontas, Matt. And they just made up a fictional thing. They didn't even lean into any kind of cultural stuff. They just... They didn't? I To me, it didn't feel like that was the emphasis. They just told a really funny buddy story. And I mean, stuck it's supposed to, to be the Incan Empire. Yeah, but they don't and really... It's played by white people. Anymore. See, but that's what I mean. It's so far removed from anything like that that they just get away with a lot. And more importantly, it's funny as hell from any perspective. They're not, I don't think they're trying to, I mean, when you have the characters to me acting like they're in a Warner Brothers, Chuck Jones style comedy, a lot of quick, perfect example, perfect example. When the end of the film comes in and it's like that third act, they make it back to the little lab and the main characters swoop in and they're in the same lab coats as the villains. Oh, right. First time. And they're like, wait, how did this happen? (laughs) Okay, good. They're, they're doing that. uh, It's, it's something that comedians do all the time. They say all the time. It's like a, it's like a callback. They're doing a callback to a joke that was established previously. And you see a lot of that happen again. And then also what's great is when you have 
Yzma and Kronk show up and Yzma's like, haha, we've been waiting for you. He's like, wait, how mm-hmm. did you get us here? And she, oh, yeah, the, the map. Which is to, yeah. yeah. To, Kronk's like, I don't even know. Because, see, honestly, by my estimation, it doesn't really make sense either. <laughs> it's so great. Just like, it's like in the fourth hole. Yeah, yeah, they, all the time. they yeah. do break the fourth wall pretty frequently in this movie in yes. sort of weird ways. And a lot it's of it really sort of risky, but helps it works to build Cusco's character, where you start off at the beginning of the third act yep, and him at the lowest point, And he's like, oh, blah, blah, blah. And then there's the, those couple moments in the movie where he even interrupts and then will like write on the film strip and cross stuff out and like pause the movie. Yeah. And talk over yeah. it. It's like, don't focus on him, focus on yeah. me. And then like crosses, yeah. And it just gives you this insight into how uh, how narcissistic this character is. Exactly. They did such a good job also of showing, um, and I think only John Goodman can do this, where he can be absolutely menacing in one film. If you guys, if this audience has seen a 10 Cloverfield Lane, he's pretty scary, honestly. Oh, but then oh, in yeah. this film... I thought you were going to say Roseanne. Yeah, right? <laughs> And he like beat up somebody one time. He could be yeah. seen in that show. He's he's so genuinely heartwarming in this film. He's completely yeah. not even like the straight guy of the film. You know, there's like the zany, wacky character, and there's the straightforward character. Mm. Basically, our our kind of I don't know what you say, like the the audience's eyes almost. He's not even oh, that yeah. because he's so genuinely giving and and generous and such a sweethearted individual in the film you can't help but root for him you're not rooting for cusco you're hoping that cusco oh no sides with him you kind of don't really care about cusco you really just side with john goodman's character the whole film i don't think like we care or me i don't think i care about cusco like really at all no not at all (laughs) yeah i mean like at towards the end you're like okay i want him to be a human again and that whole entire like them chasing the potion that oh Matt, this is what I was thinking about. I'm so glad you brought it up because this is perfect. Is that you're not you don't care about Cusco. So what I kept saying to myself when I was rewatching it, even this morning I was watching little scenes because it, it I was trying to formulate this thought in my head and you talking about it, I just got it back. Um, the best way I can put it is you are rooting for Cusco to get turned back into a human because you want him to help John Goodman. John Goodman's character has such a great motivation to be like, look, this guy's a dick and he's going to ruin my my family's home he's going to move my whole village so he's got such a great motivation to make this guy see the error of his ways and so the film sets up that Cusco's a dick and you're not really on his side you're on John Goodman's side to change him into a decent person and so you have the best motivation for one character to be like I kind of can't let him just be a llama and go off in the wilderness because we know Isma's a complete evil person will just do what Cusco was doing. So his only shot is to help Cusco become a better person. And that's what, that's the glue of the film. Now, how they go about it, like, like I was saying, the emotional involvement, how you feel about it. eh, I mean, you know, it's not top tier Disney, but damn, is it funny, dude? It's (laughs) It's a funny funny movie. It's a great funny movie. Also, if we look at the bigger picture of, um, of this empire and what he's trying to do, so he wants to tear down this village, this village that apparently in the scene when uh, Cusco and uh, Pacha first meet, they mentioned that the village provides grain to the palace and yes. basically the entire empire. And he's like, I'm going to tear down the village for my water park. Yes. So basically uprooting yeah. the food supply for the entire kingdom for a water park. Or Kustopia. Not just that, but also the alpacas they do. His wife sews. 
and you see that they have a whole economic system based off of uh, that village, not yeah. just uh, the food, but also the alpaca. They they make all the wool, everything like that for. Well, his we don't know kingdom. if they make all the wool. We just know that his. They wife definitely. Makes. Yeah, 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 but like I was just emphasizing your points. Like they definitely do a good job of showing that. It's going. This guy's an idiot, man. He just kind of doesn't care. <laughs> yeah. Well, he was like young. It's almost like, uh, yeah, like Simba he like when he was singing about being king. Yeah, like, like that would that would be like Simba if he still had Simba the same mentality yeah. while he was emperor. Yeah, I, I, that makes sense. If Simba was a dick and maybe didn't uh, have Scar up. chase him off, but maybe Scar manipulated him, and he's just like, yeah, cool, and whatever, I'll just ruin everything. What do you mean, Scar did manipulate him? Yeah, yeah, but I mean, instead of chasing him off, like just took him under his wing, and I don't know. Maybe there's another movie. Well, if you took him under his wing, he wouldn't have been uh, acting king of Pride Rock. That's true. But anyway, we're not here to talk about Lion King. We're here to talk about the Emperor's <laughs> New Groove and versus Princess the, and the Frog. The Princess and the Frog. Okay. Uh, Princess and the Frog. Matt, did you want to go first with any kind of talking points? Anything you wanted to bring up? Uh yeah um so I you were talking about the villain earlier yeah mm-hmm. what's his name Doctor Doctor Fasilier I'm not really sure how to pronounce it Doctor Fasilier it's uh I I do love like especially since you don't see that too often in modern Disney movies where the movie just starts you see a guy and you know he's the villain like. <laughs> oh yeah. That immediately like just made me happy. And I'm like, yes, we have a villain. He <laughs> looks like a villain. And we have a villain. We're not gonna have to worry about somebody turning into a villain. Like we don't have to worry about like the alligator turning into a villain in the last 15 minutes or something stupid right. like that. Well, I mean, we had what's his name, Lawrence turn into a villain. Yeah. Who's that again? Uh, the, the, the guy, chauffeur guy. Um, yeah. Oh, kinda... yeah. But he he was more like turned into the villain, like maybe 15, 20 minutes in. I mean, yeah. uh, it was pretty quick right after the, yeah. the number of uh, I got friends on the other side. They're setting up, which once again, this is what's so great. The the storytelling of traditional Disney animation, uh, especially the musicals, was you're not going to get a whole lot of backstory and exposition of characters mm-hmm. talking about their wants and needs. You're going to establish it through the songs. And that's why the best musical number is I got friends on the other side, because what they do is they also introduce you to Prince Naveen, his problem and um, help me out. What is his, what, the, what's the guy's name? You just said it. I can't remember his name, Lawrence. And then you get Lawrence's motivations as well. You get everything you need in that one musical number, and then it establishes the plot from there on out. Okay, he's getting turned into probably the frog from The Princess and the Frog. We know we are. And Lawrence clearly has shaken Facilier's hand, and now he's going to get some kind of side of the bargain too. And then we're off to the races. It's it's such a great opening. And then same thing with uh, Almost There, which is like my second favorite song in the movie. Which one was that? Oh, that's the one. And she gets the she's... place, and her mom, yeah. her and her mom are kind of cleaning it up, and Almost There is a really cute, that's cute. number. That's cute. It is. It's such a cute little number. And while it's not, to me, as great a song as what has been done before, because the bar has been set so high by Howard Ashman and what he did, um, it is so great and refreshing, as, as Matt was saying. Is you're, you're getting that old school Disney where you're, you're definitely getting everything you need about the characters via song. And it's such good songwriting and character development done. And the animation is great. 
I was yeah, watching. It's like 2D, right? Watching on Disney Plus. Yeah, yeah it's 2D. And um, it, it's it's. I mean, can we fast forward to Mama Odie, please, as well? Who's Mama Odie? Which one? The she? blind lady in the. Oh swamp. yeah! Oh my god! I thought she was, a, she was a fun character. Oh, so great! Uh, Most of the me, characters I just didn't really care for. In this. Check this out, guys. Speaking of, and I, I Matt, I know. Oh, I'm sorry, Zach. I know you didn't want to do this again you don't want to go lion king but uh, come on man i got serious rafiki vibes from her like, she's so goofy and out of out of it she's in a tree you know what i mean like it's it's very rafiki s and it's great i love her yeah true <laughs> what's yeah. the what the songs will i feel like none of the songs were particularly that great but right? i i like that they're all like different styles and they all kind of represented like the new orleans cajun culture Yep. Mm-hmm. Like they had like a gospel sounding song. They had like a Zydeco one. They had Yeah. They had like wasn't there like one that's like kind of like Cajun, like bando um, based? Yeah, yeah. Uh, going down the bayou. That's the the Firefly song when he's got yeah. his oh, yeah. Mama Odie. Yeah, going down the bayou. Going down the bayou. And it's great. And then same thing with um what's the song he sings about his love? He's in love with the 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 one star or is it the moon? Yeah, uh, no, yeah, it's a uh, God. What Evangeline, is it like, Evangeline. Angeline? Yeah, it was. It was very sweet. The film is so sweet and well intentioned. Like when it's when it's done, you feel like you you're so refreshed. But you're right. None of the songs to me really stand out more than "I Got Friends on the Other Side." That I, is such a great song. Yeah, the, I I do like. I just like that they're all different styles. I, I, do. I don't think any of them are that memorable, but. I like that they were all over the place right? and like representing all aspects of like New Orleans culture. Um, Back in that scene where there are frogs and like the three like hillbilly Cajun folks are like trying to get them and it's all slapstick that that like really brings me back to like old timey Disney like those yeah. are like the type of characters that you would see. Steamboat like, Willie vibes, yeah. No, not even like even like forties, fifties, sixties Disney. Yeah. Well, Steamboat Willie is like nineteen twenties. Oh, sorry. No, it's like awful. just like side characters that really have yeah. nothing to do with the plot, but they like show up for one scene and they're yeah. kind of like iconic for that scene. Like kind of like. Like, like you see that a lot in the older movies, but like, unfortunately, in the older movies, like a lot of the times they're like racial caricatures. Well, mm-hmm. well I, I know. What... <laughs> I, yeah. Like with uh, what what is it? Dumbo is kind of like that. But also it's not really racial caric like caricature, but the well, that one is. But the one I'm about to say is not but, like swamp people i guess no yeah. in like in like jungle book where you have like the oh, beetle yeah. yeah you have like the beetle uh like vultures like at the end like those characters that you run into no i i totally get where you're going with yeah, it's true like it, it's it's very it's very well done and the style of the comedy is great especially with uh our uh, ray the firefly shooting up somebody's nose to help them get away that was really great oh yeah that um, Firefly was such a bro. He was so good, man. He he was a really strong side character, and a lot better than that Gator. Yeah, I, I gotta admit, <laughs> although the Gator does have one great scene where he can't help himself, he jumps on the boat and starts playing with the band or something. And like they that. think he's like dressed up in a costume. Yeah, right. They they do play it really well. It's yeah. Just, he just wanted to play the trumpet. I believe in the Gator. He just wanted to play music, man. He don't care about nothing else. And I, I like how we've we're talking about it. 
but we're we're not talking about it, which is Prince Naveen, which is probably the weakest love interest for our dear Tiana. I feel like Tiana is so well established in the film. You just yeah, in the beginning, work. like just a hard and worker, Naveen, and she has a dream. Like right, if we every other character in the beginning, they're all just pretentious punks. They are. It's funny that the similarities we couldn't have compared two more similar films to me in that regard with emperor's new groove and princess and the frog because whereas we didn't care about uh prince cusco i also or yeah i don't care about prince naveen at all like i don't care about cusco i don't care about naveen i don't even get how she falls in love with him because he's kind of a a man child a little bit but Mm -hmm. he does turn around and have a better heart and all that stuff i get it it's really great but i almost wanted to be like tiana man you you don't really need him man well, I mean, I feel like he learns at the yeah. end because then you see him turn and he like tries to make a difference. Absolutely. I totally he, like, get minces that. I, the vegetables or whatever. I just feel like Tiana could have done better. <laughs> well, I mean, he showed that he could grow. <laughs> so I feel like that's what you want. You want a character that seems yeah. shitty at the beginning and you want them to grow and learn. And then she learns like to have fun or whatever. Yeah. I think we could have just done better than he's a frog and he's a spoiled brat with no money. I don't know. I I like the film as a whole, but I, I have to admit, watching it again, there was a weak spot with Prince Naveen. Yeah. Even his musical number, I just, I don't really... Does he even have one? I can't remember. He, he's just, like playing in the beginning, I remember. Yeah, he's playing ukulele and tap Yeah, he wants to be a free spirit, doesn't know. So, I mean... It seems super charming at the beginning when he like pulls off his coat and he has his little vest and his I will ukulele. Admit, yeah. The the guy's like, oh, this is a fun guy. And then it's like, oh no, he's just pretending. He's very dapper. No, his best scene, his best scene is when he first gets her to kiss him. And and when he goes, the kiss of a prince and, and his uh thing, whatever it's called when when frogs, the big old um the bottom oh, yeah. half is like exposed, he's like, that's new. <laughs> <laughs> I just love this his delivery of that one line. Like that's new. That's that's great. He, yeah, he's he has got, some like weird accent because he's from a country that doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah. Where's he supposed to be from? Uh, uh, what is it? Mold something. Moldova. Uh, Mal- Maldonia. Mm. Which I oh, yeah, I that's... think is supposed to be like off of India, like somewhere off of India. But also that the actor that plays him is from Brazil. So it's like kind of all over the place. Yeah, it's weird. And then obviously the the very the very um, sore thumb for me for the film was the weird, um, rich, nice guy played by John Goodman. Who? Oh I, yeah, the. Uh... It's it's just weird. Like John Goodman does what he does in the film, but mm-hmm. I don't. I still to this day I don't know what they were doing. With what do you him mean, as and... far as economically? Yeah, what what is I mean, they're trying to show some kind of economic disparity and they even have a thing where uh, Tiana is trying to buy, obviously, the place that's going to become her restaurant and she gets outbid. And, you know, they're they're showing some underlying racist economic forces working against her. So the cars are stacked against Tiana and it's all getting waved in her face by her supposed friend, um, Charlotte and her dad, Big Daddy. And it it's it to me it it was troublesome just because i don't know it it is kind of presented in a very weird way because it's yeah it's like the movie acknowledges that this kind of exists but everyone's weirdly chill about it yeah see it's it's very weird yeah 
Yeah. I mean, even I'm seeing, I just looked up some stuff here and there's things saying that the movie is a hop towards progress. I think that's supposed to be a frog pun. But then they're like, Prince Naveen is a slap in the face to African-Americans because he's from a fake country or whatever. And right. I I don't know. It's weird. I don't think he's supposed to be African. He has an accent. Yeah, he's not supposed to be African-American. That's just what this thing says from CNN. To me, it's just troublesome because this is what happens when you you just try to formulate a story mm-hmm. inside of a, a fixed, how you say it, you're just put in a creative box. There's not a whole lot going on. And so you're just going, okay, we're going to fit this formula. We need this, this, and this to happen. So we need this character to exist within the story to get to this point. Because what I mean is you need her to have a rich friend. Why? Because you need a reason for the prince to want to even be anywhere near our character, Tiana. Like logistically, geographically, you need those characters to meet. So how do you do it? Oh, well, she, her mom worked for Big Daddy, and now she's from Charlotte because they grew up together because her mom made dresses and all that stuff. So we got that. And Prince Naveen has to be there. And, you know, yada, yada, yada. I get all that. So, you know what I mean? It works out. But mm-hmm. as as you were saying, Zach, the way they go about how everyone's just super chill about it. No one seems to have a comment about it. Or yeah. there's nothing else going on. There's no awareness from anyone else in the story. It's just kind of a thing. You're going, like, wh- what? what comment are you, like, talking about? Well, you mean like what would the characters do, I guess, right? Since I'm going to critique it, what what would be my version of it to correct it? I guess you could have Tiana almost address Charlotte saying, look, you're a spoiled brat. You're, yeah, you know, yeah I feel like that yeah. would come up at some point. Yeah, you know she's I mean? like lives in her own little world and she just wants to marry. Well, I, yeah. I feel like she's like a spoiled brat character, but it's just more like she doesn't know any better because she's not a bad person. And yeah. like when, when she gets like corrected, like, she doesn't get mad at uh what's her yeah tiana for yeah. stealing the prince it's like Which i was I'm expecting go- her to freak out it's like i'm gonna wait till the prince's younger brother is yeah. old enough which is like if you yeah. reverse gender roles that would be really awkward yeah right? yeah and and same thing with the big daddy character like her dad same thing with you know he's just kind of it's just weird to have him be like, well, I'm the richest white man here, and I'm, still, I'm down here having my beignets. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's the king of Mardi Gras. And to me, it's just like, it presents an issue of going, so you're okay with the fact that this girl whose mom worked for you for years, her and her mom live in abject poverty. You clearly could have fixed that a long time ago. You could have done something. I don't There's think no it's way. like poverty unless. Yeah. Oh, it's poverty, baby. These well, when does this movie her, take place? Their house, 1912, they is when that house. Yeah, yeah when okay, her dad. Yeah. Was I don't her... think it looks that bad, though. Well, oh it God, seemed man. like it seemed like they were all happy, though, which yeah. is weird. That, I mean, it was problem. definitely like no a poor happened. area. I don't think yeah. it's. I don't remember it being like that bad of a house. No. But, yeah. It's, well, it was also it clearly in these segregational times too. Exactly, and that's what I mean. So it's like you would have, you would have the. The white neighborhoods, which were those big fancy houses, and then the little black shanty towns farther you know the, down the trolley line. Yeah, you know the problem is, is that I am a white male trying to discuss this. And yeah, I probably, we're not really I probably, qualified. To yeah, talk and that's the only movie. problem is I know when I see it, the problems, like the issues of it, and they're more complex than that. And I would actually need one of my friends to maybe yeah. help me out with that. Someone who's not white. <laughs> yeah, we should have had a guest for this episode. Honestly, It would have been great to discuss that because there are real issues with how that's presented. But mm. 
anyway, at least we gave it its due. At least we talked about it a little bit. We mentioned it. Probably I feel more than like the did. <laughs> they could have went further on it, though. Like, yeah. they, like they don't really mention race at all in that movie. Yeah, That's, but this was they, also 2009 when yeah, things... But, it, but it, also... The fact that they went this far, I feel like, was a big deal then. Because I remember works. hearing about this movie and them making a big deal about all that. But it does, right. after watching it, it did feel like they didn't really go nearly as far as they could but have with a, all that. Like another thing to maybe discuss, and like, again, I'm not one to like answer this question, but isn't like having a movie with a black character and not mentioning like race, like could that also be viewed as a good thing? Because Absolutely. it's like, here's a character and the character is just a person. Like, cause I know like a lot of people hate it when there's movies and it's all about yeah, them overcoming like racism and there's a nice white person that helps them overcome racism like and that's every movie it's like don't you want like a movie where you don't have to deal with those issues and you still have people that look like you like that's like another aspect of it but again i mean i don't care either way it's like not up to me it's up to yeah. like people well i think that, for children seeing this movie that's important for them to see these different characters interacting and that not being an issue. Like even as weird as the princess character is and goofy and Southern Belle as she is, it still seems like her and Tiana are just really good friends. <laughs> and they, they never bring up how weird any of the stuff is. Yes. They're always like happy to see each other. Somehow, yeah, I, I do like her. She's like super goofy. No, yeah. absolutely. For the intention of the character, like I said, what they did with her was really great. But once you introduce some kind of economic disparity, including even racial disparity, it's weird that the characters are just. I don't know. They're OK. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, sure. So, Will. Yeah. Uh, hold on one second. Mm hmm. John Goodman, he's called Big Daddy in this movie. Isn't he called Big Daddy in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou as well? Oh, is he? I don't know. Someone look that up. I'll look it up right now. Someone you can continue to talk. So I really liked Keith David in Community. I was watching Community lately. He's in like the last season of it. And he played Mary's dad in There's Something About Mary. And he played the president in Rick and Morty. Oh my god! I Big Dan. I was. I, I was. Big Dan. I was. I was off. Big Daddy and Big Dan. I need I, to I rewatch. Uh, oh, brother, where art thou? It's such a good movie. Yeah, it is. That was a really one of the movie. first movies to implement of uh, digital color grading. Yeah, it, that's why it has that like really weird look to it. Yeah, oh, cool it was one of the first movies to actually do that. Before that, you had to run the film through like water and then light with sheets of glass to kind of slightly adjust the tint of the film and now it's like you can kind of do whatever you want with color yeah. grading and give a film I, yeah. its true honest like, on look i i do think that movie is probably like the best conan brother movie cohen brother are you sure well maybe what like fargo or or no country for old men or big lebowski which he's also in true mm. No Country for Old Men to me is a perfect film. 
Anyway, those aren't the films we're here to discuss. Oh my god! Are, are you? We need to create like a Zach action figure where you pull the string and. Well, those aren't the films we're supposed to talk about. That's hey, so everybody, great. let's stay on topic. All right. Yeah. So yeah, anyway, yeah. I think <laughs> we're. Are we ready to vote? Yeah, that's what I was exactly about to lead into. Absolutely, uh, Zach. Yeah. Um, let me go see if I have any points I have to make still. Matt's figuring out if he has oh, any oh, more. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I got, a, I got a point. I don't know if I said it yet. I, I might have been thinking it when Will was talking. But <laughs> a lot of things that I hear from, like, like looking up online and what, like, online reviews, not even, like, movie reviews, it's, like, r- random dickheads online that write about yes. the movie. They say that them turning into frogs is like the slowest part is like the most annoying part about the movie. And it's just not fun. And it's like one of those things where it's like, yeah, that's the whole entire point of the movie. But I also like understand maybe we want to be, we want to be in new Orleans. We want to go see all that fun stuff, but we're stuck in a swamp. Right. For like at least half of the movie. Uh, Yeah. I I felt, I felt that way when, those uh those three like frog hunters came up see i like that scene i already brought it up yeah yeah the whole led zach at his point yeah i know but it was it just seemed like if you took that scene out the movie wouldn't change at all no it wouldn't at all it wouldn't even change it that's the thing is so i hear what you're saying i hear what the negative criticism is but to me it's always what comes back to one of my favorite film reviewers ever was Roger Ebert. And it's not what a film's about necessarily all the time. It's about how it's about it. This film is, you can't, I don't, I don't know if you can give it a negative review for trying to take you into say the Bayou and all that stuff when clearly there is a cultural significance to it. So, you know, they're trying to touch on everything. So it's, all right, you didn't like this. You didn't like that. Can it be necessarily negative because what's the intent of the film? You know, we're already in the voodoo stuff. Well, the voodoo is associated with the bayou. So they, the characters, once again, I'm talking about character geography, but they have to eventually end up there and see Mama Odie, a character who is like the opposite of Facilier and, you know, have a little bit of light with the dark. And it just seems naturally where the plot goes to me. Yeah. It, it yeah. felt natural. But I think that's people trying to point out why they didn't necessarily resonate with this film, why they didn't necessarily connect with it as much. And to that, I say it's just it's a good movie, just like Emperor's New Groove is, but it's not top tier Disney animation. The songs are good. The intent is there. The heart is there. You can clearly see people really, really loved it. But it's just it's it's good. It's a good film. It's there's no way I would ever say, like, put this movie on and not watch it. If it's on in the room somewhere, I'm I'm watching it because it, it's it's great. It has great moments. I want to watch those moments. And the villain is standout. I love Keith David's performance. I, I absolutely do. Even the ending and the graveyard is really great where he gets dragged back. We by haven't even friend. talked about his shadows yet. Yeah, oh, the his shadow shadows char- are. That is a really cool character thing. And they never really explain it. But and, it always just yeah. voodoo. It's a really cool. I got yeah, great I it Ursula vibes from him. He was such a great. Um, I want to say when you're talking about calling back, I did. I got such Ursula vibes from him with the shadow characters and how. Mm. Remember how she had the uh, the eels, and and yeah, stuff like but that. they. I mean, they still felt like they were their own entity with a shadow. It's like an extension of who he is. Yeah, it's like and in Star Wars when you can say everything anybody can do. You just say the Force, the Force, the Force. And then with this guy, we'll just say voodoo, voodoo, voodoo. 
Well, Absolutely. yeah, but it's but it's not even how it, it being the force, but just this extension of himself and how emotive the shadow like, is. Why can Princess Leia turn into Mary Poppins all of a sudden? It's the force. Um, well, what? it doesn't matter. The point I don't know where you're going with that, Matt. Yeah, anyway. when did she turn into Mary Poppins? When she like dies in space and then oh, flies. Matt. And you. just flies back to the spaceship. Everybody's like, She's I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. See, no, that's not it. It's actually a really powerful moment for the character of, of Leia because we all knew that she was powerful with the Force, that she was in tune with the Force, and finally we get our scene, and all you stupid Star Wars fans are bitching I'm not and a Star Wars fan. Well, then you're just bitching and complaining about something that I was really excited to see in a film for years. Like, hey, cool, Leia's finally using the Force. This is dope. No, everyone's got shit on it because <laughs> she, she looks just, like Mary Poppins. She just turned into a spaceship. I mean, honestly, I don't remember a whole lot about Episode Eight. Oh, I, I... I remember the ad-apps looked cool. I know that Episode Eight is the best new Star Wars film. It is actually better than... I, I hate to say it, but A New Hope clearly is is a good what? start to a story, oh. story, but it's fine. To me, you don't get to shit on a Return of the Jedi. I'm sorry. It's actually a really well-written film. It's got a lot of underlying layers. Wait, who's attacking Return of the Jedi? I'm just I'm just teeing off on Matt's point, and I'm trying to dead this it's subject. It's the last Jedi. Okay, okay. We, can, we can kill oh. it. Okay. okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. Jeez. I'm burying well, that lead, baby. I'm putting my oh my, my gosh, flag you just in you just irritated oh, the entirety what, of Star Wars. One more thing. One Star more thing Wars I want to say. Don't kick rocks, man. You guys don't know what you want. You never do. You guys oh are the most gosh. frustrating fan base ever. I said it. <laughs> I don't know about that. Oh, they're so annoying. I well, you can't all. just go like telling people to go kick rocks. Like, what if I we're held liable yeah, for the Come damage on. that they caused? Dude, David Filoni made an excellent animated series, right? That nobody watched, got canceled. They brought it back for Disney Plus, and like they still don't know what they want. It's they really still good. Don't know what they want. Watch, watch Clone Wars. You'll like it. Exactly. Watch The Mandalorian. It's really good. Why can't they? Why can't Star Wars fans just be like Simpsons fans, where we acknowledge that? Everything's uh, terrible now, and we just deal with it, and then we just watch the old stuff. Oh Lord, have mercy! But uh, anyway, anyway let's, let's one vote. more one let's more point vote. I want to make oh, about uh, Princess okay, and the Frog. This point. is point. big news. This is okay. like a breaking news story as of two months ago. Okay, which what? we we don't really get to do in our line of work. Oh my oh. god! So Princess and the Frog, it got announced two months ago that they are going to be taking over Splash Mountain in both the Magic Kingdom in Walt Disney World mm. and in Disneyland and also probably in like Tokyo or something. Mm. That's oh. pretty big news. Yeah. That's that's Any actually that you guys have? That no. I mean I think that's probably good. Splash Mountain is kind of weird. I see I'm like new to Splash Mountain and I really yeah. like it and I like all the songs and I'm like kind of sad to see it go. Yeah, but, but you understand like Splash Mountain's built off of yeah, the I, Disney movie so that's been I, locked away I, in a vault and they pretend it never existed. I understand that, but it's not even that old of a ride. Like it's yeah. not even it was, like it was made in the 70s or something or the 50s. It was made in the 90s. So I'm like, yeah. why do you care about it now? But I, I, I am like sad. I do like the songs mm -hmm. and I'm like really interested in seeing how they're going to incorporate Princess and the Frog into that, because I don't think they're going to be changing like the structure of the ride. 
Probably not. They're probably just going to reskin the animatronics and, and change the songs. I'm like kind of wondering, like, what's going to lead up into the like the big drop? Um, what, what would you guys say? Like, what iconic scene? <laughs> like uh, maybe, you, I guess. Like I... maybe, maybe like the voodoo guy dying. Yeah, that's after what I was that. Thinking. Maybe yeah. and then oh, and then shadow, like, and then when the, the log world. goes through or whatever boat they'll have, yeah. then you're like going into the opening. Like maybe like you go into the restaurant, Tatiana's restaurant. That could be cool. Oh yeah. Oh lord. Yeah, I feel like it'll be the graveyard. You'll be going through the graveyard, and then it'll take you through like this weird voodoo portal. No, I think like going into the restaurant would be cool, but I don't know. No, I mean, like, like you would be the drop, like then you'd go down oh, the drop. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, so it should be interesting. Thing. Like, cause it, it does have all like the journeys. I do kind of wish that it just got its own ride. Well, I mean, rather than kind taking of a over another one to, um, to like engineer a full ride. True. Well, anyway, I just wanted to bring that up cause that's big news. All right, let's vote. Yeah, let's vote. That is that is interesting. Let us know what you think about the uh, Princess and the Frog ride taking over Splash Mountain at the Great Movie Showdown Twitter. Let us know. Yeah, comments. I know. Normally, normally I plug that at the end of the show, but let's let's get ready to vote. All right, cue intense music. Okay, yeah, you guys go first because I'm still undecided. Okay, Okay, well I'm pretty decided. So. From a pacing standpoint, I feel like the Emperor's New Groove is better paced. I feel like it's more like interestingly glued paced. together? Yeah. Like as far as the pacing, not oh. pasting. <laughs> God damn. Matt! That's what it sounded like you were saying. I'm cutting everybody off when they're talking. Wait, wait your turn. You literally just said you guys had before. The movie's Sorry. not glued together as good as the other movie is glued together. <laughs> <laughs> oh lord yeah but yeah so for that and I think part of it might be because Emperor's New Groove is not a musical um, except for like the Sting song at the beginning and end I think that's and, Tom Jones was it? oh well it was so. lyrics by Sting oh never mind yeah but um, yeah I do think that probably was Tom Jones now that you mentioned that or Tom uh, Jones anyway, like imitation yeah I love Tom Jones it's great theme song guy Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go with Emperor's New Groove. I feel like part of it's probably nostalgia, part of it's because I really like Crunk, and I just I just think that structurally there's a lot less like dead air time where I feel like we get a little more dead air in Princess and the Frog, like the whole most of the bit when they're frogs. No, I actually second that. Zach, I, I, that's why I have to go with the Emperor's New Groove as well, oh. because there's a lot less dead air time. I mean, when mm-hmm. you watch the Emperor's New Groove, say what you want. Oh, well, you know, it's not as great as this, that, and third. Yeah, but for what its intent is, which is to mm-hmm. be a straight-up comedy, it yeah. it's funny as – that's the thing. Like, I, I, how else can you put it? It's a, it's a really well-made comedy, and it comes in – so quick and it leaves really fast it comes in makes you giggle makes you laugh really gives you those good belly laughs in certain scenes and then it's out it's done it's like in and out of the kitchen just like it feels like it's always moving throughout the whole movie yeah i remember i was watching it with grace and jackson my kids and 
first thing they said too, wow, it's already over. I was like, yes, that's good. It came in and did its job and yeah. it was out. And I feel like that's part of the thing with musicals too, is just inherently when you're pacing a musical, you have this three, four minute bit where there's a song going on. So no quick exposition is happening. It's all done in two, three verses of a song. And yeah. that kind of, that kind of, if the songs aren't really, really good, it stops a movie. And I felt like the, I don't know. I mean, it's not that the music, cause I liked the music and, uh, and, uh, princess and the frog, Yes, but it didn't, I don't know. It just didn't feel like I, as someone who loves jazz and loves that kind of music, it just didn't feel like it was bringing anything new. It just felt yeah. like it felt like it was slapping on a coat of Cajun paint and then not. I don't know. I also feel like I'm not really qualified to talk about it, <laughs> but I'm going to go with Emperor's New Groove. Yeah, me too. Someone it's else make a vote. vote. All right. So, Matt, what's your vote? Uh, yeah, I guess I'm producing Groove as well. You guess. It doesn't matter. So real quick, everybody. Also, can I talk, though? I didn't get a chance to. Say oh, yeah, yeah. Up. You talk. You talk. I just wanted to congratulate oh. Emperor's New Groove. Oh, the ginger can wait, Zach. You go. You go. Yeah. The ginger has been so, talking. So before before we did this round, both Will and I Matt was going to say that. I was going to say that. That was going to be part <laughs> of my talk. Josh. You sit there and you be quiet. Go ahead, Zach. They both were all, oh, Princess and the Frog's so much better of a movie than The Emperor's New Groove. Emperor's New Groove is trash Disney. Oh, the lowest tier of Disney film compared to how progressive The Princess and the Frog is and what it does for the world and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, I really like Emperor's New Groove, but I haven't seen Princess and the Frog, so whatever. And then last night I get texts, a whole wall of texts from both of them saying, oh man, Emperor's New Groove is so good. We are so dumb. We all, we are rot in the air of our ways of how good the Emperor's New Groove is. Yeah, Matt, we didn't you can do all talk that, now. Zach. We, nobody did all that. Hang on, nobody. Will, it's Matt's turn. I was literally crying because of how much I was wrong and how much I hurt Zach. Yeah. And I was just like begging for his forgiveness last night. Like it was, I, it was I think it's very simple. It, goes hey i remember i didn't really enjoy this movie the first time i watched it first couple times i watched it maybe i wasn't paying attention i don't know i'm at a different point in my life where i enjoy a certain thing i watched mm -hmm. it it was funny and i can readily admit hey you know what watching this again yeah this is good for this me really i've never actually watched it all the way through it's just i don't have a, i'm not a big fan of david spade so that's really it and i'm like i'm sick of david spade David Spade does not belong in current year. We need to leave him in the 90s like Rosie O'Donnell. It's O'Donnell and stop. No, I think everybody can do anything they want. It's fine. You just, you and your hatred of Rosie O'Donnell, man, let it go. Also, I didn't realize that that was she David started Spade it. until um, today. Uh, you mean she started existing, Matt? Like, I don't know what All you're... Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. So anyway, now uh, we're oh, going. My to my one more thing. My oh, closing. Yeah. My closing piece. Yeah. So Princess and the Frog. Um, I think I appreciate that movie, and I do mm -hmm. like that it went back to the 
the Disney Renaissance formula. It's just everything was like good, but nothing was great. Yep. Like it, it was a good story. The songs were good, but nothing like exactly memorable. Whose dogs are barking? Hi, Casey. I don't know. Yeah, probably Casey. Oh. Yeah, but nothing uh, like nothing super memorable. But I'm kind of glad that it got Disney back in yeah. the like making musicals again. So, and I I really like how it's 2D animation. Is I think this is the last 2D animated film they did. Will that's a I, question for you? Isn't it? I feel like that is the last one they did. I yeah, that's remember. what I'm thinking too. Yeah, I don't think they did another 2D animated. They film need to. It's weird, like because like no, you know, because after this was Tangled, I think. Well, Tangled's three like, D. Yeah, but that's what I mean. I, I think the next Disney animated film was re- Tangled, and I, they never went back to two D after that. They were off to the races. Like, why? Why are they leaving two D? Like, because two D still looks good, and it gives you that uh, like classic look. Hey, man, who knows why Disney does whatever they do? Oh, yeah, that's right, because. Money. They're Disney, and yeah, like come on, they're they're not in there to just make our memories. Like how would two how would two D Moana look? Who knows? It doesn't matter because three D Moana is good. Huh. You know what's funny though, like that this is two D, and when you look at like the poster for it, yeah, like, the poster easily, looks almost three D. Well, you could easily like kind of confuse it with maybe. Like a Peter Pan poster, like with that alligator on it, it kind of looks the same. <laughs> like, like it makes it more timeless when it's two D. But anyway, we could talk about Incredibles now for we like should. an hour. Also, in. um, there was a crocodile and um, and Peter Pan, not an alligator. Oh, oh good time. Yeah, because there's the whole thing: never smile at a crocodile. Oh. Obviously, not a real Disney fan, Matt. Anyway, I'm joking. Matt's a pretty big Disney fan. So I'm a uh, fake Disney fan. Yeah, Matt just created a a podcast bracket to uh to rank every Disney film. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, the Incredibles, uh, Brad the Incredibles with Craig T. Nelson. Yeah, Craig T. Nelson, aka John Goodman, as a different actor. <laughs> um. <sighs> I really like John Ratzenberger's performance as the underminer. I kind of wanted more. (laughs) Okay. I'm going to, you guys just buckle in. I'm going to just word vomit everything. And then you guys can kind of clean up the mess after me. So forgive me because I have a lot to say about the Incredibles. I'm going to try and condense it. So here we go. Uh, First things first. Once I realized that Brad Bird was going to make a film with, Pixar. Yes, I was even then. This is around the time I was starting to read uh, Total Film and Empire Magazine and things like that, and they were talking about what he wanted to do at Pixar. I was going, mm-hmm. wait, the guy who made The Iron Giant is going to make a Pixar movie. I, and then I found out what it was about, and I started to realize, okay, this this could be something, especially with what the plot was. It was very reminiscent of Watchmen, and but it was going to be obviously Disney safe and stuff like that. What I was not prepared for at all was we were going to get not just like a superhero film, but also a superhero spy film, especially with the score um, by uh, Michael Giacchino. His, his score is pretty much to me the one of the best scores ever that he's ever done with that those those jazzy um, 
horns coming in, particularly if if we all remember the the musical cue that cuts in right when Dash figures out he can run on water. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the music swells. It is, time. it is it is fantastic filmmaking. It is you forget that it's animation. You are just so invested at that point. It's so stunning. Even then, even though the animation can be a little bit dated for what Pixar is capable of now, just the execution, the editing, everything like that is so above and beyond. It's, it's, I can't imagine it's, it's like, um, what Quentin Tarantino was talking about. He, he, how he writes, he goes, you can't get the inspiration of the gods typing, everything out you have to use a pen and i'm only using that as a reference because i honestly think whatever brad bird was thinking about the time he was getting the inspiration of the gods because every every time i watch it i just get quickly reminded of of how pure cinema can be and why animation can really just have such a great impact everything about it from the opening of the film with him in the car and you're just trying to figure out what's going on with um like, what's this guy doing? He's getting the cat out of the tree, which is really great. And then he keeps saying, okay, I still got time. And and it when you actually see what he's got time for, what he's pretty much almost late for, and then the 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 cut on, you know, them getting married and he's saying, come on, we're, you know, we're superheroes. What's the worst that could happen? And then you start to find out what can happen and how revolutionary the concept of heroes um, having to literally pay via – not just financially, but also administratively and judicially and the government gets involved and like they're hiding them. And then you cut to him at his peak to him at this tiny desk. And we get all the bright colors and the the quick action and him stopping the train and things like that. And all culminates in him sitting at this desk being overside and the woman crying at his desk. And he's still trying to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. And you get the emotional impact of him staring out the window as his boss yells at him and a guy's getting mugged. And I can't explain anything more than you get all of the highs and lows and all the little nuances, even when after everything happens, he gets fired again and he's home and he gets so mad because the car door won't shut because he's the one who put the dent in the car because of his strength. And he picks up the car and the kid's watching it mm-hmm. and he has to put the car down gently. And he's so pissed off. You get all those little bits. They literally give us everything <laughs> you could possibly think of. And it's sprinkled throughout the film. All these little bits and, and how it works. And, and the family life aspect. Yes, the it. family life aspect is so brilliant. To the kids yes. arguing the way they argue and how she uses her powers. Hey, no force fields, Dash says. And he's running around yeah. the table. Um, even with Jack. Is the teacher. The um, teacher that has the footage. Yes. It's like, see, he moved. He moved. Yes. Oh, look, there's all tech. He goes, what do you say? Ah, uh, was it? I think not. And like the, the way they go in on his face, like super tight with the glasses, and yeah. and don't Bernie me when the principal tries to like Bernie. Look, listen, he's like, don't Bernie me. This little brat is guilty, 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 guilty. It's so <laughs> fantastic, all of it, dude. And obviously, I don't think I could give this film justice if I didn't reference the iconic moment with Samuel L. Jackson and um, his wife. Uh, in the film, oh, when yeah. he's like, honey, where's my super suit? She's like, uh, I put it away. <laughs> what do you need to know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so great. He goes, woman, this, I'm talking about the greater good. Uh, the right. greater good. He said, I am the only good you'll <laughs> ever get. Right. It is so. Because it's like. <sighs> Go ahead, Matt. Go yeah, ahead, that's, that's a scene that could have stopped the movie cold. If it wasn't no done, pun right? intended. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Way to go. 
I would high five you, but COVID. Yeah. Um, but yeah, <laughs> and, it, but, and we're like two miles away from each other. All right. right. Anyway, come on. Go, that go movie ahead. or that scene felt. I mean, it's like if you look at the frog scene where it felt like in Princess and the Frog, where it was just slow when they first yeah. become frogs. Yeah. And then you have something like this where it's all the rules are sort of established. And this is kind of a scene that's just for the laughs. Right. And well, I guess it's you, you're sort of building tension because of the the robot destroying the city. But yeah, it is just a, the, it's just even a the, really good. Scene. Even how we get there, yeah. even how we get to that scene when you have the characters, this is a normally very exciting action heavy kind of sequence. You're supposed to mm-hmm. be totally invested. The, the heroes are now going to go save the city from the big giant robot monster. Okay. So he, Brad Bird and his creative team fill in those blanks for us because they realize that every moment is so ripe mm-hmm. for displaying this family dynamic and how like a marriage is like, they're not just characters or superhero characters who are motivated by the greater good. They're also going to, pick at each other and argue. And so when they get in to the camper and it lands on the highway, it's not just, Oh, we're oh at yeah. the action sequence. It's they're going to argue over what intersection and where yes. they have the family right. road trip. It is so brilliant. I died. It takes laughing. me to downtown. I want to go to the financial district. Ah, he swings <laughs> really four lanes of driving to get into the exit. And man, they're, Oh, it's so great. I, yeah. I can't stress enough how perfect of a film this is. This is to me, top level Pixar. This is, mm-hmm. it's literally top five. And it ain't number five. I can tell you that right now. Ooh. Um, Oh wow! It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's up there for me. I, I every time it's on, I have to watch it, no matter what's happening. I have to kind of zero in because there's so many great little nuances. And then obviously the perfect. And I, let me just stress this: up. I gotta get close to the mic and explain to everyone how perfect and deep cut the casting of Jason Lee as Syndrome is. I don't think anyone realizes that Jason Lee, due to Kevin Smith and and everything like that got really famous for being like a comic book nerd in Mallrats. Clearly, Brad Bird, knowing this, said there's Wait, only was one Jason guy. Lee and my name is Earl. Yes, he was Earl. Yes. OK, I thought so. Yep. So in that, please go watch Mallrats. It's really great. Um, it's a great little cult film. Fantastic. He was, you know, Mr. Comic Book guy. He just knew everything about comic books. And so mm-hmm. Brad Bird, being the genius that he is, took the great fast talking nerdy speak of Jason Lee and put it into a villain. And it is, he's such a great villain. You guys, I just I love him when he like all his little beats about, um, what, what is it? He's like, Oh, you sly dog. You caught me monologuing again. And he does that. And then obviously when he catches them all together and he's like, Whoa, 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 it's a whole family of supers. And he's like, Mr. Incredible and Elastic Girl got busy i just he's such a unique villain he's so great because he's mm. he's literally the opposite of the fanboy perfect example is what we we're arguing about what i was establishing with star wars fans who just seem to love something until they hate it and they can't make up their minds what they want to do <laughs> they want to suppress it i guess and create their own version of it and live in this alternate reality where they're in star wars and they're luke skywalker i guess and he doesn't die i don't know point is jason lee is that and it's it's next level it's great can we, story can we talk about the villain's plan real quick? Yes. His evil plan oh. of making everybody have superpowers so that nobody's a superhero. Yes. Because <laughs> if everyone's super, 
No one will. Leave. Zach, you know what I noticed watching this movie? Uh, Dash says it under his breath, like uh, like when he's like talking about how he wants to like use his powers or like yeah. do something, and then but like the mom wants him to be normal and right. says that like you're special and then it's like everyone's special or it like basically it, it alludes to that line. I don't remember the mm. exact line, but it was like. Like you're special, and then I think Dash says something like "everyone's special," then, or something like that. And it like I heard that line. I'm like, oh, that kind of alludes to what Syndrome is gonna say. Mm-hmm. But anyway, continue. I mean, that was that was pretty much it. Just how uh, how then the plan? How I it think seems his like plan a weird... is actually pretty good for for like a cartoon villain plan. Yeah, it's just also sort of weird to be able to sell, um, I guess, sell Batman tools, essentially, is what you'd be selling. And his whole private island. Yeah, from his private island where he defeats robots that he unleashes on the city with a remote. I do like uh, the whole entire scene where uh, Mr. Incredible thinks that his family's dead and then is about to kill his assistant. And then like, she's still mad about it. And like syndrome's like, well, I knew he was bluffing. He wasn't going to do it. And then like, she says like next time gamble on your own life. Yeah. And I'm trying to figure out like, are they together? Because like syndrome's acting like all like touching her in the face and like acting like they're a couple, but they don't really seem like they're a couple throughout the film. This might have been before, like, I mean, this was definitely before um, all of the Me Too stuff happened. What, so 2004 was before Me Too? What? Wait, are we talking about Elastigirl and Mr. Incredible not seeming like No, they're... we're talking about Mirage and... Um, oh, that was and name, Syndrome. Right? Yeah. Yeah, they're they're definitely not a couple. I don't think that's... It, it was just like Syndrome was acting like it, like touching her, her in the face. It could have just been oh, like yeah, boss yeah. abusing weird. her power, Again, his power. No, I, I think that's a I think that's a really good um, creative choice by Brad Bird to once again just make you realize it's this guy is he's he's slimy he's a he's a jerk he's he's literally the power trip that a kid who clearly was bullied when he was younger now has all this power and money and gets to just do whatever he it's wants. It's like a superhero he, genocide that he's causing. That's probably like the yeah. most. Oh yeah, because he'll like invite them to his private island to test his giant war mechs on them. Oh, I know. And then even that sequence. Oh my god, when yeah, Mr. when he's Incredible in the finds out, and then all the super fast cuts of all the sticky balls get into him, and the music yeah. once again. Oh, that's so fucking good. Ah, pretty good. That was oh, a really good so scene, great, dude. It's yeah. so good. Oh man, because once again, you just you're stacking the deck. Uh, against these characters which you know can't be can't be overstated because now it's not just whether or not they'll physically lose the battle right the heroes won't save the day now it's literally well everything we've been doing all of our friends are dead like what we what we actually mean to the world almost means nothing if this guy is an adult movie because they're also all in witness protection so it's like they're not all talking to each other all the time aside from frozone right um God, what was I about to say? Oh, well, yeah, I, something I, I really noticed about this movie 
it was like I feel like the pacing was super good. Like it was really, oh yeah, it's a super great pacing. It was like kind of slow, and it was just like slowly building towards yeah, and it and how yeah. it re- reveals information to you. Not just that, but the uh, action beats are idiosyncratic because once again, when he first goes to the island, he gets the first version of that robot, and he's battling it, and then you not only is he losing, but then remember he he's like ah oh my back ah yeah, <laughs> and then he gets his back strained yeah. Yeah. Goes, like, pull apart and it, oh, oh. <laughs> i love how the next robot just absolutely destroys him like in like yes, five seconds absolutely he's and like then gonna cut his head off not just that but also you could tell brad bird once again is is re revisiting that bit of a joke where he's constantly getting thrown large distances like very long distances in the third act when he keeps getting thrown by this thing he gets thrown through a building and then even when the uh the claw detaches he gets sent like completely 100 200 yards away it's a really great com- comedic gag that he he loves to do where he just keeps knocking this guy farther and farther away from him yeah like um, when syndrome was like upset that he threw him too far and oh, he was yeah. like oh i gotta go chase him yes oh he's like oh great oh such a great line great line <laughs> delivery but uh speaking of performances i mean the the iconic version that has now become a, a meme is edna edna oh Mode, yeah voiced by brad bird yeah because he just so weird it's so great i i can't stress this enough everything about edna is is fantastic obviously now we get the no capes Mm -hmm. no oh man and i love how that comes back at the end of the movie oh yeah ah so fantastic obviously um her speech to elastigirl is really great too uh but in the kitchen when she's smacking her with the rolled up paper um (laughs) <laughs> or when she's like blowing her nose because she's yes. like crying and then like he knocks she knocks the tissues in the trash and then they light on fire like right or away the whole introduction of everyone's suits when she's got the little uh what would you call that when it's just it's slowly rolling conveyor by belt yeah like the conveyor belt uh super suit sequence yeah and it's so great i love it so much it's what can i say man like really and that's good. where where he marries the uh the idea of the superhero film also being like a bond yeah yeah just those two worlds how do you like the like art deco stuff and how it's like futuristic but it's old looking yeah i I love it universe i could i love everything about it even that like giant door when she like leaves the office and the mr incredible has to like run through to get back to the office i mean the lava gate thing yeah that's so weird that's also really uh lava's hot yeah like i don't think it's lava though because it's like solid it's some weird no, door it's definitely, it's definitely it's lava, lava but it doesn't it's a, matter. It's yeah, a it's villain not. base in a volcano yeah the film but, does not but wasn't it like a giant wall of like orange like is it what is it lava and glass or uh, who knows but i don't really care because the film is clearly straight from the realm of reality long before yeah. this so it doesn't really detract me how about those like little bomb things like rubber bombs that just like blow up big oh, and, the like, globby globs yeah, yeah those are awesome that's what i mean that sequence right there was fantastic because yeah. once again you get that thrilling reveal of what he's been doing all the supers why no one can see anybody because everyone's dead he's been killing them and and then once that uh a intruder alert uh, sequence goes and i promise you go back and listen to the score specifically at that scene yeah it's so great and thrilling and it swells with the editing because it, it starts to yeah, fast it's literally until they become intense. like yes it's so 
it's such a great way to demonstrate a character at their lowest. And then also speaking of Matt, you said like it's such an adult film. There is the great sequence where he truly believes his family is dead. Yeah. But to go before that, that action sequence where she has to step up now, she's no longer mom. You get the reveal of, you know, how badass she was as a last girl where she's yelling at her daughter, Violet put a force field around the plane. And you know, she's, yeah, she's just awesome. quick, she's quick with it. Yeah. She's so great. She flips it on a switch. And she becomes the last girl, the superhero, very business-like, very matter-of-fact of what needs to happen, what she needs to do. She's super on top of the situation, only her daughter isn't. Her daughter's new to this. And it's such a great uh, – I can't well, stress oh! – How about that scene where they're, like, starting to fight the villain again, like, in the city, like the robot? And it's like, you stay here. Like, I'm not strong enough. And then oh, the last girl's – that's like, my favorite. Yeah. What it was this some sort of workout for you? It's like, no, I don't want to lose you again. Like, oh, that scene is oh, it's so good. Oh, I know. I love it every time. I love it every time because I don't I don't know any other way to perfectly demonstrate to me what is like true masculinity. You know what I mean? Like I the best way I can put it is we're so used to, for example, in the spy film, the reason why Daniel Craig's bond has been getting higher praises. Mm-hmm. When you watch Casino Royale, after the violence of the fight scene in the stairwell, you see the scene of, and I'm sorry for anybody who doesn't know this film, but I'll get to my point. There is a sense that it is intense and it does have an emotional toll, the the kind of violent life that you would live, right? The, the risk that you're taking. And so when the other character, Ava Green's character is crying in the shower and she says, you know, I can't wash the blood off. And then he just gets in the shower with her fully clothed and just holds her. And it's a great tender moment that literally has never been seen before in a Bond film where you now you have a human being who is capable of empathy and isn't just trying to bang the Bond chick and stuff like that. So now you have same thing in Mr. Incredible in this scene where he's been the hero the whole time. We've seen him get pissed, right? He's at his lowest point where he lost his family and then. Now he's here and he's he's worried he's going to lose him again. This is serious business. And you get this great moment where the, the hero is vulnerable, like really vulnerable. He's talking to his wife that he loves. You you actually get a sense of connection. And it's it's a powerful moment in any kind of action film where you can show that, yeah, he's tough. Yeah, he's going to save the day. Yeah, he's, he's super strong. But he's also, you know, really weak and really vulnerable in spots. You know, he, it, it's raw, man. It's it's so great. The voice acting is fantastic. The writing's fantastic. The more and more I talk about this film, I'm literally when we're we're done recording this, like I'm probably gonna watch it again tomorrow. <laughs> it's it's so great. I love yeah. this film. It's right. one of those things where like you're talking about the voice acting. I think watching the movie, I was just like thinking, like the voice acting was so good. I'm like picturing like it's one of those things where you like, how did they put that together? Because it was like so perfect. Right. Yeah. Like you're picturing like the voice actors deliver delivering their lines and then like the animators animating it and then somehow it turns out like that brilliant. <laughs> I like I said, I think he was just he had the the movie gods just came through him and made this terrific film. Unlike Absolutely. Incredibles Two, where me and Will we're gonna debate. Uh, this is like in four weeks. So yeah, I actually haven't seen Incredibles two, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, okay. it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be really fun. All right. All right. So are we are we ready to vote on this? Yes, we're definitely voting on this. Oh God, I wonder what we're gonna vote for. Yeah. Suspenseful. What does Kronos mean in the Incredibles? <laughs> oh, that's the name of the villain. I thought. 
No, no, Chronos that's the password. Chronos is the... Yeah, that's his password. Oh, I I just know Chronos is the Titan who it ate means all time. the gods. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Like a chronometer is a clock. Oh, oh, very artsy. Way to go, yeah. Brad Bird. No, okay. I was just looking at the thing. What happened to Gazer Beam? Definitely. Died oh, never mind. I'm just like looking at the Google things now. All right, we're voting. Let's, Let's vote. do this. All right. So, Matt, would you Incredibles. like to go first? Oh, Jesus. All right. Will, would you like to go second? Yes, I would. Uh, gee, I don't know, man. Cusco is such a compelling character. This film is just. How would Cusco fare in the Incredible Universe? He would get decimated like in this uh, comparison. Imagine Cusco and Syndrome. <laughs> My book's going to Incredible. <laughs> Actually, like had it. No, 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 like as as uh, wait, can we get Syndrome and Kronk? Can, I want Kronk. I don't care about Syndrome. <laughs> Kronk. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, want I wonder. To be, like you know how you have Mister Incredible, you have Frozone, and then I want mm-hmm. Kronk to be like the third hero that hangs around him. Yeah, I wonder. He is he in the second movie? Kronk. Yeah, I mean Patrick Warburton. Ah, he no, they didn't make like a sequel. They made a direct to DVD sequel with just Kronk's new groove. It's, oh, no, he, I meant in The Incredibles, too. Oh, wait, Patrick Warburton is in? Yeah. Is he? I don't, I don't think so. Oh. I don't remember him. Um, I heard that The Underminer wasn't in Incredibles, too, and that kind of bummed me out. No, no he is. He's in the opening. Oh, he is? Film. Yeah, they opened the film up with it's that. It's another oh, thing where spoilers. like speculated what the what the sequel would be like years before it actually happened. They're yeah. like, Oh, they're just going to start off with that. Right. Thing. Well, Zach, mm-hmm. we already voted. So yeah, what- I'm going to go vote for Incredibles because it's a really good movie and I like it a lot. And I like the fun vibes of it. Oh. It makes, it does the things that I like, which is the things Ooh. that it does. That is my, uh, that is my take on it. Yeah. And then yeah. in round two, we'll have Finding Nemo versus The Incredibles. Oh, uh, wow. I can't wait. That's going to be an intense matchup. I'm going to kick that. Ba-da, ba-da. I'm going to kick the shit out of that uh, handicapped fucking fish. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> That's pretty oh brutal, God. dude. I don't know oh. if like, we can put that in the episode. Oh, God. <laughs> it's a fish. Nobody cares about a handicapped fish like that. I mean, hmm. and Dory will forget about it, you know, after I. You know, Will, wow. God, you're God. turning like dark all of a sudden. Yeah, uh, dude. You're supposed to be our PC guy. Yeah. No way. No, <laughs> no, Will's totally our Mac guy. Thanks. I'm a rebel. I'm a maverick. I try to. I'm Charlie then. Play by it's my own. Charlie. Role. Oh, I thought you meant Mac from Always Sunny. Oh, no. I never really got into Always Sunny. I feel like you would like Always Sunny. I mean, like it's just the characters are so toxic. <laughs> the, the whole point. time yeah but it's like i'll watch two episodes and then it's like i just can't watch anymore because i'm just not ready for that i have started watching bojack horseman okay no i like i like always sunny i just yeah. i i don't watch too many comedy shows which is really bad but i just it's because i prefer to watch stand-up comedy yeah. i watch a lot of stand-up i do or comedy films but shows yeah. like perfect example is always sunny it doesn't have 13, 14 seasons. Yeah, that's, that's ridiculous. A lot. That's a lot. 
So especially for a comedy. Yeah, and but see that's what I mean. It's why I can't really get into too many comedy shows because it always feels like it's the reason why I don't really get into a lot of shows, period, is sometimes, you know, you already know murder of the week, monster. I mean, of the people week. love Always Sunny though. So I mean Oh, good absolutely. For I totally get it. My girlfriend is obsessed with it. She wants me to watch it so I can get all of her little in jokes. So eventually I'll get around to like the watching Dennis it. system, cultivating mass. Yeah, I think Wild card yeah, I saw the, yeah. the Dennis system episode, which I always thought was funny. And I will have to watch twisted. it around. Hear me, hear me. I will get around to watching that show. I, some of the plots are like super crazy where like I'm surprised that cancel culture hasn't like caught up with them, to be honest. Right. Well, I think the whole like purpose of the show is that these characters are super effed up right yeah it's just kind of weird because like all these shows are getting looked back at and they're like oh get rid of that episode but there's like always sunny ones that are like yeah this is pretty terrible i know it's a joke but if you're getting rid of that you might as well get i mean i'm not like like the one where they're talking about getting on the boat and taking girls out on the boat no it's the one where they like develop a crack habit to like get on medicaid but then they realize they have to be black to be on Medicaid or something like what? that. Yeah, it, it's like, oh, you can only be on Medicaid if you're black and are on crack or something like that. And I remember watching, I'm like, oh, that's kind of like a risky joke. But again, I'm not like saying it should be canceled. It's just everything else is getting canceled. Why is it this getting looked at? I, I actually think all this stuff should be still able for people to view and then you can just have your opinion and on it that is matt's uh progressive take on possibly canceling uh mackleny and the creators of it's always sunny so good to know everyone at matt smith wants to cancel always sunny yeah uh hashtag death to always sunny matt wants to cancel the city of philadelphia yes matt uh, benjamin franklin Rocky. is a racist Matt and wants he, to destroy the Liberty Bell and kill Rocky. Yes. Uh, then it's racist we'll to towards Italians. Out. I'm from Philadelphia. You ain't killing Rocky. Back up. <laughs> Rocky's off limits. What about that Bill Burr stand up where it's like 11 minutes of him just oh, like yelling at Philadelphia? Doesn't he say like you have a statue for a fake sports figure? Yes. Meanwhile, <laughs> I was always so mad about Joe Frazier, dude. Like, Joe Frazier gets no love in the city of Philly. Meanwhile, he's literally the only man alive. Like, Ollie in his prime, coming off of when he was when he wasn't boxing after, I think it was literally after the Vietnam uh, protests, things like when he wasn't going, right? And they, they took away his boxing license, but he came back. He wanted to fight. I think he had one tune-up fight against Corey, I think it was. I might be full of crap. Um, but I know he fought Joe Frazier again for the – it was a big deal, too. Ollie Frazier and Frazier just – killed him with this gazelle punch man knocked him right on his ass i think it was in the 12th round and it was the first time the world had ever seen ali knocked down and that belongs to a man who Wait, represented muhammad ali muhammad ali oh. joe frazier got him dude beat him took him the distance Side and beat show him. bob what no joe frazier smoking joe frazier oh different frazier oh my god 
Oh, I'm <laughs> like right. seriously talking about my city's icon of boxing, and you're just like confusing and freaking. Oh, anyway, damn. thanks so much for joining us for this episode hey, of the Great on. Movie Showdown. Don't we what? have? Don't we have like stuff to say? Like, what our next episode's gonna be? Yeah, that's what I was leading into, Matt. Oh, sorry. All right, so now we have to do it again. Pause. Let Zach do it so he can edit. <gasps> oh no! I mean, I was just gonna roll through it, but okay. <laughs> anyway, so uh. Thanks for joining us on this episode of The Great Movie Showdown. Uh, Matt, what do we have coming up next? For our next episode, we have Brave against Moana. Will Moana know the way to the second round? And will Merida go ahead and decapitate that lady from... And this is not a Scottish accent anymore. I don't know what I sound like. I don't Dude, know. I feel like I'm watching Outlander. Uh, thank you. You know, I try Man. very hard to do my Scottish I accent. Kin, I didn't kin where you come from. Right? Oh, no. This is not a start out as a Scottish accent, though. Now I feel like I've rolled into it really well, but still. Dude, Outlander's... I don't know how I feel about Outlander. <laughs> I'm like... We've talked about so many other things other than the movies on this show. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, mostly it's TV shows. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. It's like, I don't know if I like Outlander or not, and I'm like halfway through season three. Oh jesus but yeah because it's like i go up and down and then i'm like oh these characters are actually terrible and then I'm like oh well i guess if i fell through a time portal i, know I probably watch. wouldn't like be the best partner either i know what if i came watch. back out of the time portal pregnant you want to know with what another man's 200 year old baby anyway i don't want to spoil outlander for anybody but yeah don't don't do that but you should all watch hannibal Hannibal. I need to watch that. I need to watch the rest of BoJack Horseman now that I'm like mentally equipped to deal with it. Yeah, do it. Yeah. Anyway, uh, thanks so much for joining us, and uh, make sure to check us out on the Great Movie Showdown on Twitter. We're not even going to do the Google. We haven't done the Google for like three weeks, Matt. Yeah, way to go, Matt. We did. Pay attention. Do you want me to do the Google thing? No. (laughs) And we're going to do it. Thank you. No, we're not. Anyway, uh, don't forget to stay new to your pets. And uh, as always, stay safe from COVID, stay safe from scary things, and love your neighbor. Unless he's an asshole. Yeah, really. Kick that asshole in his teeth or shit on his lawn. All right, Matt, say a thing for us to fade out on. Zippity-doo-da, zippity-day. My, oh my, what a wonderful day. Oh my god. Plenty of sunshine heading away. Zippity-doo-dah, zippity-day. This has been a Nice Throw production. Nice throw, Matt.